The following sermon is by Manny Alaniz, pastor at St. Stephen's Chapel in Northwest San Antonio, Texas. For more information, for prayer, or to support us financially, please visit our website at ststephenschapel.org or call us at 210-241-5969. Love is the more excellent way. Let us prepare our hearts to hear God's truth through the preaching of his holy word, which begins with prayer. Let us pray together. Oh, loving Father, help us so to hear your word that we may truly understand that understanding we may believe, and believing we may follow your way in all faithfulness. May we seek your honor and your glory in all that we do. Lord, empower us by the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can receive you, meet you here and now. In Christ we pray. Amen. Please be seated. The other day, I was I was kind of skimming through several magazines. I get a, a DPS Officers Association magazine that I kind of go through, and it gives us and gives me an update of what's going on in Highway Patrol and the lives of troopers. Uh, and I, so I enjoy that magazine. But I was skimming through People magazine and other magazines. Uh, one of the things about the Highway Patrol magazine and and all I guess it's all magazines is that there are a lot, a lot of advertisements, a lot of advertisements. It's funny, in the Highway Patrol magazine, there are a lot of trucking company advertisements. You can imagine why. And construction companies, and then they're, they're all through the, the, the magazine. But no, it's, it's, that's just not only with the Highway Patrol magazine, People magazine, and any other magazine you want to think of. They all have advertisements. They all advertise things that can benefit you, uh, that, that can do you good, or that or something that can that you can resort to to get pleasure from. That's what advertisements do. They want to entice you to do what? To buy into what they're selling. Uh, to buy into the relief that their advertisement is trying to give you uh, to keep you from all the discomforts of the world. Imagine, imagine if we could come up with a new product. If we could come up with a new product that is about suffering, that we called suffering. Uh, let's say our slogan would be, come join us, suffering is waiting for you. Now, how many takers would you get from that? How many people would buy your product? But not many, not many. But isn't that what being a Christian is about you know, we seek to get away from suffering. We seek to, to, to get relief from suffering. But suffering is what 
Christianity is about. Time and time again in Holy Scripture, repeatedly, it talks about the joy, the joy in suffering, in joining and sharing the suffering of Christ. So isn't that what it means to be a Christian? You're going to have to partake. In suffering now, there's happiness, there's joy. But it does involve suffering. Uh, true Christianity is not a feel-good experience. Uh, if, you, if anyone gets a misconception that if they become a Christian, that all their problems are over with, we know better than that, don't we, Christians? Brothers and sisters, we do know better than that. And Christianity is more about being close, persevering together as a family, of a, a church, and trusting in the promises of God, trusting in Jesus Christ, trusting in our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, spirituality and being spiritually gifted is obviously not about feeling good. It is not about feeling good. Being spiritually gifted, which all of you are as a Christian, and, and it talks about it back in chapter 12 and, and, and in this section of, of 1 Corinthians. It talks about the spiritual gifts that God gives out, showers us with. And, but the list that Paul talks about is not exhaustive. There are many, many more. But to be spiritually, spiritually gifted is not about feeling good. Being spiritually gifted is about a willingness to partake in Christ's suffering. To be spiritually gifted, meaning that you've been gifted by God, and perhaps even more than one gift, but it is given to you so you can partake in the Lord's suffering and Christ's suffering. What does Romans 5 tell us? It says that we rejoice. We rejoice in, in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love, God's love has been poured into us through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God's love, God's love has been poured into our hearts. God's love has been poured into us through the power of the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So how? How do we get through this suffering that I'm talking about? We just read it. God's love. God's love. It's been poured into you. God has poured his love into you. And as a matter of fact, that's how we love God. Because his love was first poured into us. And we respond by love. So we get through the suffering in God's love, which has been poured into us. That's what our passage is about today. It is all about the more excellent way. And what is that? It is God's love. It is God's love. Someone asked me a little while ago, hey, uh, today's Mother's Day, man. Are you going to preach about Mother's Day or Mother's? And I go, yeah. It's about God's love. And God's love. Can God's love be seen in mothers? Of course it can. Some would say better than dads, but we, we could have a debate there. But that's what our passage is about. As we continue our 
our our our, our journey in, in through First uh, Corinthians, through the book of First Corinthians. We we see this. We see this going on. We know that it, it that and, and Paul is going to talk about it, and it's talked about by the passage we just read that the love of Christ is the most is the more is the more excellent way. What he's saying more of is because he's been talking about these spiritual gifts. And one of the things that happens to us when we start understanding that we have been gifted by God himself for the furtherance of his church, one of the things that happens to us when we, when we start realizing, wow, that's, that came from the Lord, or I have a passion to do, I have a passion to serve God, and, and that passion makes me happy. I, I can't tell you why, why mopping the floor makes me happy, but it does. Because I'm doing it for the Lord, you know that what that that happens with these spiritual gifts. But one of the things that happens to us, that happened to the Corinthians, was you become prideful. You become prideful, and Paul is about to hammer us on that. Being prideful about all these spiritual gifts. The so when he's talking about the more excellent way, he's saying, okay, you got these spiritual gifts, right? And, and the Corinthians were saying, we got it, man. We we got it. In fact, they were trying to outdo each other. In fact, they believe, the Corinthian church, the Corinthians believed that the more supernatural their gifts were, the closer they were to heaven, the more heavenly, the more divine the gifts were. And that is absolutely false. They got that wrong. So Paul is saying, hey, you think you're spiritually gifted? There's a more excellent way. There's a greater gift. There's a more excellent way. What is that? God's love. God's love. And he's going to, then in, in, in chapter 13, he gets into it. But basically, what he's talking about is unless Christ's loving character is manifested in the use of a person's spiritual giftedness, that gift is worthless. Unless the loving character of Christ is manifested in your spiritual giftedness, then that gift is worthless. It has to be about love. Love is the more excellent way. Again, as we continue to 1 Corinthians, we discover that the Corinthian church was indeed very prideful. About, they started realizing that their church was, had been gifted by God. Remember, Paul planted this church, and he leaves, and he comes. Oh, no, he's writing these letters because all these problems broke out. Well, here's another problem. They realized that they were gifted, and then they started competing with each other on who was more gifted. And, and some were complaining about how they were being used by God. Maybe they wanted to be used a different way. One of the things about St. Stephen's Chapel, we are just getting go, go or just getting where church starts. We need to have more of us realize your spiritual giftedness so you can partake in helping for the furtherance of God's church, Christ's church. But what, what happened to the, with the Corinthians is they were starting to try to outdo each other with their giftedness, thinking that they were more holy. They had a misconception about the super, if it was more supernatural than the higher spiritual experience they would get out of it. And again, that is false. When we turn to the text, 
we see Paul addressing, basically breaking down the chapter into three parts. First is love and the spiritual gifts. Then it's love defined. And then it's love never ends. Love never ends. We'll start, we'll start off with love and the spiritual gifts. Uh, we can we can see that back. If you notice that we went back to chapter 12, the end of chapter 12, verse 31, we picked it up on the second part of that verse. And then it went, and then we started in the first, the first three verses of chapter 13 is about love and the spiritual gifts. God's love. And I don't what I'm about to say, I don't have to say to you to several of you because you know what I'm going to say. God's love is real. God's love is real. You have felt it. You know it's his love. You have felt it and you can't explain it. The only one that can understand even what you're talking about are other people that have felt that love. You really feel it when you don't, when, when it, it's not taken away, but sometimes you don't, because we're emotional beings, we don't feel that love, but I can guarantee you that it's still there. So that's why sometimes we have to remind ourselves that Christ loves us. Oh, but what, wait a minute, Manny. I mean, I'm really going through some a very difficult struggle. That doesn't change the reality of the situation when it involves God and his love for you and his love for you. And it's okay to call out to him. It's okay to ask him to, to restore the joy of your salvation like King David did. And that's okay, but the reality is that God's love is real. It has been revealed. God's love is so real. It has been revealed and demonstrated to us through where? Creation, through his divine word, and where else? Through his son who gave us. He gave us. For God so loved the world, he gave us his son. That is some... Uh, overwhelming, overwhelming stuff that we don't take lightly. Don't take it lightly, but please meditate on that and try to try to comprehend the magnitude of all this and what God is saying. As he states in verse 31 of chapter 12, God's love is the higher gift, the st still highest, the highest gift, because it's the more excellent way. God's love gives us guidance to all the spiritual gifts. God's love gives us guidance to all the spiritual gifts that he gives us. Remember, the, the, when we read these chapters, we realize that these spiritual gifts that God gives us is not an exhaustive list. It's, it's written throughout the New Testament and even more so, and even more so. So the Apostle Paul goes on, he tries to explain what he means by this, and he, and, he do, and, he, and he does that in verses 1, through, one 2, and 3 in verse 13. He says this. He says, if I speak the tongue of men and angels, if I sing, and this is basically what he's saying, if I can speak the tongue of other men from other, from other countries, from other languages, and, and he puts angels, and that has caused many theologians problems. And that's the only place you're going to find it is right there. But if you speak tongues of other languages 
and angels. And he, then he says, if you can sing, like you can sing with the choir, if you can lead music, if you can sing out there in the congregation, if you can be a part of the worship team, if you can preach and teach the gospel, or if you even have faith to move mountains and have not love, it's worthless. Your gift, your spiritual gift is worthless. I want you to notice how uh, the, the word love and how it's used. It's not loved, that I'm not loved. It says you have love. You have the love of Christ in you. You have the love of Christ as you share in these spiritual gifts, as you share in the suffering. The love of Christ is in you. See, that's a challenge for a lot of us in ministry and, 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 and a lot of us to try to help that, that help out in ministry. And uh, any of us, e even if we're trying to bring people to the church and we try to share the gospel message and we get mad because they're not paying attention or we get mad because they're not responding the way we think they should respond. And the challenge for you is, is love. If you don't have love, do you have love? Do you have God's love? Do you have Christ's love for that person, for what you're doing, for how you're serving Christ? It is in you. It's Christ's love in you. It, it, it could be a matter of do I love this person? Well, of course you love them because you're sharing divine truth with them. You're, you're helping them through a, a, a hard time. Or, or you're serving God, again, doing whatever he wants you to do as a servant. And you do it with joy because the joy of God's love is in you. It changes all your, your, your perspective. Yeah, some people will arrive early and leave late because of that. You almost have to ask them to leave. We're locking up because they just rejoice in serving God. They rejoice in, the, in, in how it feels to be among Others who, who love the Lord. It is real. It is not make-believe. God's love, the love of Christ has to be in us. In all our spiritual giftedness, the love of Christ has to be in us or it is worthless. I gain nothing. If I do anything in the name, if I do anything for the church, it's worthless. Unless love, unless God's love is in me. And in us. Here's what's more amazing. Uh, what Paul says in verse 3. He says, you can give everything away. Even if you were to give everything you own away. Let's say you had a garage sale and sold everything you had in your house. Sold your house. Cleared out your bank account. And gave it away as extreme. And, and, and to show everybody else how extremely benevolent you are and, and, and kind you are. And Paul says, that's worthless. That's worthless unless the love of Christ is in you, unless it's done for love. Love, not to get satisfaction with people going, oh, way to go, Manny. Way to go. It, it's, it's, it's the love. It's the love of Christ in you. That's how extreme Paul's getting with this. He wants to make a point. He wants to talk about something that is extreme. Now, how 
you wonder how people can do this, uh, how people can like give up everything or, or here in a second, he, he talks about how, you know, going burning, like burning, giving up everything, like you're giving up, a, like you're a burnt sacrifice. But people do that for self-glorification. They do that for self-promotion. The love of Christ has nothing to do with it. They're trying, and and the and here again, he's talking to the Corinthian people, and he knows some of them that are doing that. They're trying to outdo each other with how much they're giving away. Even if you deliver, even if we deliver our bodies to be burnt, to be burned, and we give our bodies uh, to hardship. To the point of giving us and becoming slaves, it doesn't benefit anything if the love of Christ is not there. If the love of Christ is not there, God's love is the foundation for everything, for everything. So then Paul gets into uh, the next verse, the few verses, he gets into love, defines, he gets, starts defining some of the love that he's talking about, the love of Christ. The apostle defines love. Paul does this with a series of verbs, so to speak, verbs, actions, actions uh, that describe God's generosity. We are told that love is patient. Love is patient. What does that mean? If any of you have ever waited on the Lord because you're going through something and God makes you wait, Now, now you know what love is patient means. Christians, true Christians, learn how to be patient with the Lord. And one of the one of the things about one of the things I did is I wanted to learn patience, godly patience. And if you pray for that, you will get it. I guarantee you. And you'll go, okay, thank you. Can we? Can I move on to something else? Because you will. He'll make you wait for him on and on everything. Godly people are patient. Active patience is a mark of the Holy Spirit's presence in your life or in the life of the church. Act, active patience is a mark of the Holy Spirit's presence in us. And that's according to Galatians 5. That's one of the fruits. Uh, according to Galatians 5.22, patience is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Love is kind. This means that doing acts of kindness and mercy exemplify, exemplifies God's character. Romans 2, verse 4. Love does not envy, it doesn't boast, it is not arrogant. This is in line with what the apostle talks about when he talks about bragging or prideful or inflated eagles. We have an we're eagle maniacs. We're, uh, we're, we're uh, what do they call those guys that are self-centered, you know, weightlifters? Or they're very eagle, eagle-centered, eagle-centric. All these are marks of the flesh. If you're self-centered, narcissistic, those things are marks of the flesh, of the body. They're not of the spirit, not of the spirit. Love does not dishonor 
others. Love does not dishonor others. Now, here's an interesting thing when we read this because it has, it makes, it is a reference to, to sexual, sexually lewd behavior. The way it's written in the Greek, it, it, it's making a reference to sexually lewd behavior. That's interesting the way Paul's writing it. And he's writing it to us, but he's directing it at the Corinthian church. It doesn't, it, sexual lewd behavior, so it's not insisting on getting things our own way. Because it's not self-centered, it's not prideful. Love does not delight in wrongdoing or evil. But love rejoices in the truth. That's key, okay? Love rejoices in the truth. This is God's divine truth. When, when Paul is, is speaking about this here, he's using some forensic terminology, courtroom terminology, as if this is legal terminology, courtroom terminology, this is this has to do with even transforming uh, even legal things on earth, but it's certainly in your life. Love bears all, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. In verse seven, Paul now gets into what the unlimitedness, the unlimited love of God. The unlimited love of Christ, the unlimited love, the characteristic of love. And that's what he's talking about. See, that's the, the point of what he's trying to tell us, what the message he's trying to convey to us, which is in verse 8. He, that's where he starts talking about that love never ends. Love never ends. And that's how we know it's divine love. It is the love of Christ. It never ends. It never ends. As a as a husband, we are reminded of that and how we and how we are to love our wives. It never ends. It never ends. Husbands, it's okay. We can smile about that, right? Smile about that. It never ends. God's not love is never end. We all rejoice in that. We rejoice because it's unlimited. We rejoice because it doesn't end. See, and then Paul talks about things that do end. Now he's talking about spiritual gifts. Well, now he's talking about spiritual gifts that do end. He says, Paul says that prophecies will cease. He talks about tongues will be stilled. And he talks about knowledge being passing away. Now, we're going to get into tongues and some of these other gifts uh, more in the next, next time we get together next Sunday when, when we get into the tongues in chapter 14 and speaking in tongues. But what happens is Paul is talking about these prophecies uh, and, and these gifts that do end. But he tells us when they will end. What does he say? He says, when the perfect, when the perfect comes and the partial passes away. When's that? When does the perfect come? When does it come? The end of the age. When Christ returns at the end of the age. That's when prophecies, these prophecies will end. Now, a lot of theologians, a lot of people have misinterpreted gifts, the spiritual gifts, to end with the apostolic age, to end 
when the apostles all died out and said that's when it all ended. And that's not what this is saying. This is telling us it's going to continue till the end of the age, till Christ returns. So what do we, what do we need to know? Well, what do you need to know? What do you need to know? When, when you hear this and you try to apply it to your life, what do you need to know? Well, you need to know that spiritual gifts are real. They're, they're, they're for the benefit of God's church, but they're really given to Christians, and they're here now, today. They exist today. They are the spiritual gifts are the manifestation of God's presence. Spiritual gifts are the manifestation of God's presence. Uh, I, I, I tend to think that sometimes when, when, you, when you, you're called to exhibit your spiritual gifts in love, that you, you, you hesitate and you're thinking, maybe I'm going overboard. No, you're gifted. You're gifted to in the furtherance of God's church, to use those, to exhibit those in love. They're the manifestation of God's presence. They are the evidence that the kingdom of God is here. Now, it's not the final kingdom. It's not the, the kingdom in, the, in its full expression when Christ returns, but it is the kingdom in the here and now. How do we know that? Well, Jesus tells us that. Jesus, when Jesus walks the surface, and, and I've talked about this today, Jesus tells us the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Jesus also answers a question that John the Baptist poses to him. John the Baptist, while he's sitting in jail thinking it's all over, he's, I mean, he's the one that introduced Christ, right? So he's sitting in jail and he sends two of his disciples to go, man, I just don't know. Go ask him, is he the one or should we wait for another? And bless his heart because he's, str he's struggling through it. He's struggling through diff a very difficult time in prison. And he's going to die. He's going to get his head cut off. So he sends his disciples to go ask Jesus the question, are you the one? Are you the one? Or should we wait for another? What does Jesus tell him? He says, go tell John what you have seen, what you have heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the leopards are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised, the poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. What's he saying? What's God, Christ saying? He says, yeah, I am the one, and the kingdom is here. I've ushered in this kingdom in the here and now. That's why we're called to kingdom living. And kingdom living means that you use your gifts for the furtherance of God's church, that you reflect those gifts. The two verses right there that Jesus is saying, yes, the kingdom of God is here and now. Those are invitations to us. They're invitations to you personally to come to him, that he is the king, to respond to the king to respond to the kingdom that's here and now. Those are invitations. What are you waiting for? If you haven't responded, you need to respond. You're facing it right between your eyes. He's coming at you. He's calling out to you. And if you have responded, then you're called to kingdom living and living with the love of Christ in you and using the gifts that he has given you for the furtherance of his church. 
for the preaching of the gospel, for the for making disciples. See, that's divine truth. That's divine truth and truth in love. Now, people will define love in many different ways in this world, right? Hey, well, what about this this uh, this uh, Supreme Court ruling that, that 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 came out secretly? It was leaked out. Supposed to come out later, but this was leaked out, and it basically has a. a it, it it tells us that Roe Roe versus Wade is about to be overturned. Basically, Roe versus Wade is the one that legalized abortion in this country. The people that are against that happening are already starting to riot and will riot more when it, when it officially comes out. And they're doing it because they believe, and, and they're saying that they love the mother, the mother's right to choose. They, they're saying they're doing it in love. That's how love can be distorted. If the love of Christ in you, if the love of Christ is in you, you have to go and know what the, what the word of God says. You can't just say, well, I just love you so much that I'm just not going to do this, or I just love my kids so much that I'm not going to discipline my kids. The other day in, in Bible study, we, we studied that. We studied about how obedience to God's law is a demonstration of love. In fact, you can't obey God's law to its fullest unless you love. That's what Jesus tells us. Hey, what are the two greatest commandments? Uh, the scribes, the, the, the attorneys are there. All the attorneys are there, and they're hammering Jesus. They're trying to trick him again. And, and they go, and, and out of the 613 commands and rules that are in the Old Testament, they go, what is the great? One of them steps forward and says, and, and now because I've heard Jesus talking for a while, these guys are starting to think, well, this guy kind of knows something. He's a little different than us. So one of them steps forward and says, hey, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus answers that question of all the rules and all the commands. He says, the greatest is what? The Shema, yeah. Loving God. Love God. Love God. Second is like it. Out of Leviticus, love your neighbor. Love, love, love. And see, Jesus says, that's the fulfillment of everything, love. So he's talking about the law. You cannot be obedient to God's law unless you love. You have the love of God in you. That's how you're supposed to live. If you're asking how can I apply this, man, how can I apply this? That's how you apply it. You apply it to your life. You show it. You demonstrate it. You live it. God's love will never end. He's calling us to react, to react to it, He's, and, and to come to him, to come to him in love. The passage of love, it, 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 God's love is what's, what it's all about. That's why we're here. That's why we're here worshiping today. Unless Christ's loving character is manifested in the use of our giftedness and the way we live our lives, then what we do in all our giftedness is worthless. But love, love is the more excellent way. Let us pray. You've been listening to Manny Alanese, pastor at St. Stephen's Chapel. For more information about our church, visit our website at stephenschapel.org.
or call us at 210-241-5969. Please join us prayerfully and financially as we seek to glorify God by preaching His Word and spreading the gospel of grace in boldness and selflessness.